Okay, we are on the Yud Amad Aleph. Uh, we're four lines down at the two dots. <clears throat> so the Gemara says, the Gemara is continuing with the, the wicked prospering, certain theme with that. So the Gemara says, Haruber Yuni, Baryuni people. Uh, it seems like a little nibble called the barbaric, barbaric people. Davish Rusadir, our mayor who lives in uh, Rabbi Mayer's neighborhood of Kamatari, Leituva. They used to drive Rabbi Mayer crazy. We had this also with, similarly with Rabbi Shuvan Levi. So here Rabbi Meir wants to daven that these people should die. So Amalei Buria Devisu, so his wife Buria, a very famous character, Rabbi Meir's wife Buria, she says to him, Where, you know, what are you trying to think? What are you thinking that you should daven for the wicked to, to pass on? Mishun Dechsev, says in the Pasuk, in Tehillim, in the capital that we mentioned yesterday, Koftal, Yitamu Chaton. Right, so you're trying to translate that the, the sinners should be destroyed. So that's why you're davening that they should, that they should die. But you're wrong because does it say sinners? It says that sins should perish. It doesn't say that sinners should perish. But oh, and furthermore, look at the very continuation, at the end, at the continuation of the Pasuk, where some, it says, and there will be no more wicked. So clearly it's talking about wicked people. So there's a question here. What, if these wicked people go away, then there's never going to be another wicked person in the world? Meaning if it's referring to the person, how can there be such a guarantee that if some, one wicked person dies, then another wicked person won't, won't ever come again? How can such a thing be, be sure? So it must be that the pshat is not that there won't be any more wicked people. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't mean that there won't be any more wicked people in general. It means that there won't be any more sinners what it means is, is that you can turn these people who are currently sinning into non-sinners. It's not talking about the future of the world. It's not saying that if these people, these Rishon died, there's never going to be more wicked people. It's talking about these people who are currently sinning. Their sins should go away. Their sins should be destroyed. And then these people will no longer be Rishon. Meaning, yes, the Pasuk's not talking about a guarantee for the future of the world that there are not going to be more wicked people. Talking about, they're talking about currently. People who are sinning. There's a way to turn sinners into non-sinners. And that way is through the effect of tefillah. And that's what her advice was for, uh, for Rabbi Meir. And that's, in fact, what Rabbi Meir did. Rabbi Meir simply just davened and they did teshuva. Now, we find a very interesting concept from the Marsha. Usually a person, we have an idea that a kol b'deh You can't, you know, daven. How does it even make sense that you just daven and a person doesn't do, doesn't do sin anymore? But the mashah seems to say a very powerful concept that even though necessarily Hashem doesn't get involved, you know, for your own Yerushimayim, but if someone davens for you, such a tefillah can be effective. So it's an amazing, amazing concept about the, tefillah, the power to daven for sinners to stop the sinning. Says the Gemara. Uh, Mm-hmm. It sounds like we're praying for everybody like that. Which is like there was once a Tzaduki who said to Borya, Haksev, it says in the Pasuk, Raniakara So literally the the we read this in Haftar once, the Pasuk says in the Navi, sing out you barren one who does not have children. So it seems to be talking like Israel is being compared to a barren one. It's saying, sing because you're barren. So it doesn't make sense. The simple Pshad, Yolada, Rani. What because you haven't because you're barren, you should sing. What kind of song is that? So Amalei, so again, Beria gets involved and she says, Shatya, you fool. So she's, she's here, she's very harsh with this uh, Suzuki. She says, you fool. Look at the end of the passage. Hashem says that the, the children of the desolate one, which is Israel, are more than the children of the inhabited one, which is non-Israel. 
So you see that Israel clearly has children. It says that she has more children. So obviously she's not barren. What does it mean that Israel is the barren one who hasn't given children? You should sing out, you Jewish woman, because you haven't given birth to any children who are going to Gehenna. That's what it means. You're akara, you're barren from children who are sinners. That's the point. It doesn't mean you're barren from children. You see, in the end of the passage, you have more children. It means you're, you should sing out because you're barren from having wicked descendants. Says the Gemara Amaleah, who tzeduki the Rebbe Volk. There's one story tzeduki said to Rebbe Volk. See if it says in the passage, Mismillah, David Baruch, Lef Ne'av Shalom, but no. It says, we know it's one of the capital of Tehillim is dedicated when David runs away from Avshalom. That's one of the earlier chapters of Tehillim. A later chapter in Tehillim that David sings is when he's fleeing from Shul in the cave. So, which story was in the beginning? Which story happened first? If you follow the Navi, David ran away from Shul before Avshalom's rebellion. So, why isn't the song that David sings while he ran away from Shul come first chronologically in Tehillim? If it happened first, then the song for it should come first. Why is the song for Avshalom Placed out of order, so to speak. The song for Avshalom should be later in Tehillim. You're very literal, you, you, you tzedukim. You don't expound in any way. You don't darsh in the power of smuchim. The power of smuchim means that sometimes Hashem writes things in the Torah out of order so that you learn one thing from another thing. If A is next to B, it's next to B for a reason. Sometimes Hashem is out of chronological order to teach us a lesson. So you don't, you don't expound smuchim, so you have a difficulty. But we, us the rabbis, who expounds smuchim low kashalom, we do not have the difficulty. What is even the source for expounding upon smuchim? It says in the Pasuk Shinemar, so the Pasuk in context there is talking about Torah. And then right afterwards it says that So we expound that what the meaning of that Pasuk is, is that things that are next to each other in the Torah, biblically, have a lot to tell us about the truth. So whatever, they, the, whatever is summed to each other in the Tanakh can teach us something about MS. So we see here that there's a reason why the story with Avshalom comes next to what it comes to. If you look at what it's next to, it's next to the of Gogu Magog. The future uprising of the, of the, of the kings against God in the Asad level. And the story with Avshalom is right next to that. Why are they next to each other? Let's say somebody's going to tell you, I have a very difficult time believing in Gogu Magog. How are these kings, these slaves to God, going to stand up against God? I mean, what kind of fool would do such a thing? I don't believe in the story is going to happen. What should you respond to him? What? Do you think there's going to be a civil war within, within the nation where a son has a rebellion against his father? If that happened, and that happened in the story of Avshalom rebelling against David, and then you can be confident that the other story that's right next to it, the story of Gogu Magog, of the slaves leading this uprising against the master Hashem, you can believe that that too will happen. What's the meaning of the Pasuk? This is the Pasuk that we say in Eishas Chayel. Pia, her mouth, Pascha B'chachma. Her mouth opened in wisdom. So we're going to homiletically interpret that Pia Pascha B'chachma is a reference to Ruach HaKodesh. That the Ruach HaKodesh and the Via can be in Lush and Nekeva, Rashi explains. And we're saying that the, 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 through Ruach HaKodesh, a person can be Zolcha to sing great, great wisdom and great songs. So what's this a reference to? 
Shlomo said it regarding what David, his father, was able to do. Shedar b'chamisha ulamim. David lived in five separate worlds. Now the Marshal explains here that world means dimensions for the soul. It's a little bit above my pay grade. But there's an idea about some, the soul going through different experiences in life and meriting different, to go through different things. For example, as he just explains, you get nefesh, then you, get, then you have a concept of ruach, then you have a concept of neshama, you have a concept of achaya, you have a concept of bilchida. Those are the five levels that the soul attains. And the soul is traveling, is ascending in its journey of life, going back until death. So David is zochet to see the beauty in each aspect of life. And let's see what the five aspects are. When he was in the womb, Amar Shira, he said womb regarding, he said Shira, it doesn't mean he said it while he was a fetus, but it means that he said, he saw, he sang songs of Tehillim regarding the state of the fetus in the womb. means while I was in the inside, while I was inside the mother, while he was still a be a fetus in the womb. He's saying Shira regarding the brilliance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that situation. As soon as he came to the world, so that's originally just Nefesh. Then he comes to the world and there's Ruach. He appreciates, you know, the celestial spheres. He appreciates the world. Blessed are all the Shem, all the, the strange things who, 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 who fulfill His will. All of God's legions, the legions of God is a reference to the stars and the moons. So that's when he appreciates the world. The third dimension. Neshama is that he's able to nurse and he is mistakal, meaning he, he internalizes the power of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the power of nursing specifically from the breast. I will never forget Hashem's kindnesses. What's the great kindness of Hashem and the brilliance of Hashem and that nursing comes from the breast area? My kog mulav lies as such a, a nice thing. So the Gemara says, Marvosh also bina, that the dadim, the breasts of a woman, are different than the breasts that come from other animals. Most of the animals, it's a little bit lower down in the body, closer to the general area. But by a woman, um, in a person, it's bina, it's by the heart. It's, a person has a tremendous amount of seichel and intellect. Uh, that is there, and the dadim are all representative of that, of the, the deep metaphysical experience of a, of a child growing in, and, and connecting more to the mother and her bina by nursing from there. And the Gemara says, Time am I, what is taka, the reason why the body is configured differently? We don't want the child to have to look at Pemakum Erva when he is nursing. So you shouldn't look in something dirty. So literally, it sounds like it's saying the same thing, just with different words. However, the Vilna Gon explains this a very deep thing. He explains that Erva in general, there's a concept of two things. There's a concept of Arayas, and there's a concept of Macholos Asuras, and they're both there. And he's trying to say that whatever exists, down there exists. Sometimes we make mistakes. We have Erva problems. We have Macholos Asuras problems. But the Dadaim are above that. There's a sense that every woman, no matter what sin she's had in her past or whatnot, and the child is connecting to, he's transcending beyond that. He's transcending to the breast area, which is above, which is Bamakum Bina, which is pure, which is a pure place. The fourth dimension, he sees the downfall of Risham for Amar Haluka. So that's the fourth one when he sees, and this is the idea of Chaya, that a person, in order to live, you have to see a sense of justice. The sense of justice when he sees that the Rishaim. They don't prosper. They're not. Their life isn't so good. So then he sees, um, and then he then he sings to Hashem. And the fifth one is Taka Misa. He contemplates the concept of death. 
That's the beginning of Baruch Nashi Kapitel Kofdal. So Mar says, where do you say anything about death there? I see David singing, but where do you see death? My master Yom Mitzvah Nama, how do you see he's referring to death? From the end of the from the end, you remove your face, Hashem Yibahelun, Tosef Rucham, and they die, Yikvaun, and they expire. So the the, the, the so the Barakinashi is a reference eventually to the end where we talk about the concept of death. So those are the five dimensions that David experienced. Being in the womb, seeing this, the, the beauty of the world, nursing from his mother, seeing the downfall of Hisham, and then eventually contemplating the concept of death. Says the Gemara, They used to frequent around the Shemim Levi. And there was someone whose job was, he was job was to be Masadar, all the Agarita, all the Agada in front of Yeshua ben Levi. So, what's the meaning of this Pasik? We keep on quoting it. But Karachinashi is Hashem, and my soul bless God, but Hol Kuravai, all my innards at Shem Kachol, Hol Kuravai. So until now, we've been saying that it's a reference to David singing about the being in the womb. But now we interpret it differently. Come and observe that God's ways are way beyond uh, what a person of flesh and blood is able to accomplish. The greatest artist. He's able to put an image on a wall. Michelangelo can sculpt whatever he wants, but he can't put in a spirit in a shama inside. He can't do that. Not only does he make an image, he makes an image inside another image. The baby is formed inside of the mother. And God puts life into it itself. So that's what it means. But may my soul bless God. My insides, that my insides have life. That's what should bless God. I should realize that God is ultimately the best artist in the world. This is the meaning of what Chana said. When Chana had a child, she said, No one is as holy as God. No, there's no one else besides you. So what's the word sore? Usually sore means a rock. But here we want to say, So Sayar is the artist, the one who sculpts this idea that no one is quite like our Kalash Baruch Hu in this regard. The end of the Pasuk said, we just quoted in that Pasuk, the Chana said, no one, There's no one else besides you. So it doesn't seem like that's, you know, an amazing praise. Like, obviously, so what is Ki'in Boltecha coming to add? Don't read it literally, Ki'in Boltecha. There is no one who can outlive God. No one can, um, can, 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 can see God wither away. Again, that's the difference between God's artistry and Midas Pasavadam. Michelangelo's, you know, sculptures live on, but Mike, where's Michelangelo? He's dead. That's what happens. The things that you work, your handiwork outlives you. He outlives the things that he creates. Fine, beautiful. So that's the meaning of Chokravai Hashem Kacho. That, you know, how amazing of an artist Hashem is. What's so difficult about it to understand? So Amalei said to Manachi, come in, this is what I mean to say. If you look in Kuf, the Kapitlach of Kuf Gimel and Kuf Dalit, you will see that there are five times where it says Baruch Inafshi. So why does it say Baruch Inafshi five times? What it was, again, going back to the same theme. Earlier we mentioned that David sang five times, can I get the five dimensions that he found in his soul? Now he makes five senses of a comparison between the soul and God. And the purpose of these comparisons is to realize the depth of Tzalem Elohim. Our Neshama is the, the imprint of God. And when we find these five similarities between our Neshama and our Baruch Hu, it makes us realize that we literally have a piece of Hashem inside of us. So he's saying when he realized that there were five connections between his soul and God. 
God fills up the whole world. Your soul is, is fills up your whole body. God sees and is not visible. So to the soul. God sustains the world. All your body is sustained. You can't have life at all besides for the neshama. Just as there's inner purity. There's inner purity. Who sits in the chamber of chambers, all private and exclusive. And Neshama also resides in the private of chambers. So the idea is that David was saying, five times connected each one of these connections. Let the one who has these five attributes, the soul, it should call me Shabbat and sing and praise to the one who gave it these same five qualities to HaKadosh Baruch. All right, now we continue to a completely different story in Jewish history, and we're going to relate to it because eventually we'll talk about somebody Davin Vesikin. So the context of the story is King Chizkiah. King Chizkiah, we're going to see, was one of the Jewish Yehuda kings. He was an amazing, amazing Talmud Chacham at Tzaddik. And Chizkiah also, what was amazing is that he was sandwiched between two bad kings. His father and his son were not good, but he was able to achieve amazing things. The Gemara says there were never a time of scholarship and general erudition and Torah and Torah and Torah and Torah knowledge as it was in the time of history and as, as it was in the times of Chizkiah. So we have here a story. It says, Who is wise and the one who knows compromise? So what does it mean, the one who knows compromise? Who is like God who knew how to make compromise between two tzaddikim? Who are the two tzaddikim? Mean between Yeshaya and Chizkiah. Yes, God has a message. I know that God has a message for me from the Navi Yeshaya, but uh, Yeshaya should come to me because I'm the king. When Elio, the Navi, had a message for Achav, and Achav was a really wicked king, Elio who went to the king. So, 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 so Yeshaya said, I, I, the, the Navi should come to me. I'm waiting for him to come to me. Yeshaya says the opposite. The king Chizkiah should come to me. The king Yehoram, when he was joining up with the Yehoshua to go fight against Moab, what, was, what did he find? That the kings went to the, to the prophet. They had a whole thing. They ran out of water. They go to the prophet. They go to the Elisha. So sometimes we see that the Navi goes to the Melech. Sometimes we see the Melech goes to the Navi. So they we each wouldn't move. They wouldn't budge. What did Hashem do? We're going to see that Chizkiah actually deserves punishment. The reason was because he was willingly not procreating. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made him sick. Once he was sick, he says to Yeshayah, He says to him, Go be Mavakar Chola. So he says to him, Go do bigger Cholim. Because now there's a good excuse for him to go. Became sick to die. comes to him, the prophet to visit him. and finally he gives him his message. He says, "You're going to die, and you won't live." Chizkiyos promised a horrible, horrible punishment for not procreating. First of all, he's going to die in this world and in the world to come. So the Gemara says, The Gemara spells it out. What's the double language? You're going to die in this world. You've lost your portion in Olam Abba. Extremely harsh words from the Navi. So Chizkiyos is shocked. He says, My kuli Hey, right? remember, Chizkiyah is a huge tzaddik. He says, why am I deserving this? You're not procreating. I saw through Ruach HaKodesh, I saw that the son that I would have would not be good. And eventually, I mean, he was even correct. He did have a son, Menashe, who was a horrible Russian. So the message that Yeshaya gives him is that you can't outsmart HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to have the child, you do what you do. If Hashem wants the, the child to come out, it should. What business of the child will be is not for you to think about. 
You should do what your job is to do. What is good for God, God will do. So I'm a lay. So Chizkiah says to him, "Hasha havli bratach." After the garment schosim is off, and after kimi no bal malin. Okay, I'll get married, but maybe I want to marry your daughter because we I have schosim, you have schosim. Maybe if we have an amazing yichus in the shidduch, maybe we'll protect the child. So that was Chizkiah's idea. So I'm a lay. Kfar nizvah lach exera. Yishaya says to him, "It's too late." Very very sharp message. So I'm a lay. Ben Amot. At that point, Chizkiah gets sharp back to him. He says, "Ben Amot." He doesn't even call him his first name. He doesn't say Yishaya. He says, "Ben Amot." Stop prophesizing. Vitsay and exit. Get out. This is my tradition. I have in my grandfather's house. Even when the sharpest of swords is on a person's throat, you should never stop davening. And the basic concept that he's saying is, you're telling me it's too late. There's no such concept. You should never give up from davening. They kill me. Until Tashem I'm davening. So the concept that Davenach is trying to portray is that no matter what circumstance, it is never too late to daven. And Chizkiyo, what does he immediately start doing? We're going to learn in the story he starts davening. So first, the Gemara continues a little bit more. Even if you get told by the Balach Halomos, so the Balach Halomos, the master of dreams, it's just a little bit weird. We're going to learn in the ninth paragraph, there's two types of dreams. There's dreams that come from the demons, and there's dreams that come from the angels. Okay, so when the angels have dreams, the Balach Halomos, they're accurate. When the demons mess up with your dreams, they're inaccurate. And the Gemara will have all ways, the different figure ways to figure out whether they're accurate or not. But even if you know that it's from the angels, it's a real dream, Still, what's that? What's it? and they tell you tomorrow you're gonna to die. Don't worry so much. Don't give up. Even with all the dreams and things that I was told, but I still feared God. So that's the same message. No matter what's told to you, don't 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 despair. Miyad, what happens? He turns to the kir and he starts davening. So the Gemara says, what's this kir that Chizkiyah is turning to? My kir. It means the walls of his heart. It means he turns to Hashem from the depth, the walls of his heart. Walls of his heart is an expression. We see an expression of the walls of the heart. So Chizkiah turning to the walls, a reference to mean that he turns to the depths of what's inside of him and he pours out his emotion. Rabbi Levi Amal Iskei Rabbi Levi has a very different interpretation. Very interested in Hashkafa that the Gemara now talks about. Chizkiah davened about the wall. What does it mean about the wall? There's a child about Elisha. The Shunamis woman had a child that Elisha used to stay by their house and Elisha even revived her son when the child dies. And why? Why did she merit such Nisim? Because she used to be hospitable to Elisha. What did she do? We're going to learn. She had a big room and she put up a wall and divided it and made a guest room. So she made a guest room. She put up a wall in her house for Elisha. So in the schus of making one wall, that she was hospitable to Elisha, her child was revived. Avi Abba, so my grandfather, who's that? Shlomo and David. They poured in all the gold and silver to build a real wall. They built you a base amikdash. They did the most hospitable thing for the world in the world for you, God. All the more certain that we deserve it. That was the message that Chizkiah was saying. He's talking about the wall. Now he continues, and he talk, continues with more, you know, the Gemara is going to talk about this, how difficult this is, Ashkafikli. He's davening in his own schusim. He says, Remember, I walked in front of you, Hashem, with Emes, with Shalom, I did the right thing. So you should reward me in my own schusim. Chizkiah is davening for himself on his own merit. What did he do? And that's why this Gemara comes in. He always used to daven, but he can be some So he says, in that merit, Hashem, I deserve 
that everything should be okay and I shouldn't die. Rabbi Levi Amar Shagana Sefer Refuos. There used to be the Book of Cures. Now the Book of Cures is a very big machlokas are Rishonim about what it is. Some Rishonim understand that it was actually divine. It was from Akalish Baruch Hashem. Actually gave us this medical knowledge how to cure things that were beyond regular knowledge. And it was an sign from Akalish Baruch to see if people would still see and believe that it came from God. And eventually, eventually it stopped working. Stop people. Stop believing in Hashem, and they only believed in the book. When Chizkiya saw that that happened, it came originally from Moshe Rabbeinu. When Chizkiya saw that it happened, he was gonizi. He hid the book that no one else could find it. However, the Ramah vehemently disagrees. The Ramah says there was never such a book from Hashem. And the whole thing was false. And it was just like superstitious things that people believed in. And what it did though, the bottom line is, is that people had less amuna because of this superstitious book. So therefore, Chizkiah, same thing, same common denominator. He makes the decision to get rid of the book so that people can focus on having amuna on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. now we digress into a tangent about Chizkiah doing things. Very bold initiatives. She should He does three bold things. I'll give him a holdulo. Three things that the rabbi said were correct. And three things they said they were incorrect. The three things that they said were correct. He hid the Sefer Rufuos. Remember the copper snake from Parshas Klukas? The people were being bit and uh, Moshe put up the copper snake. They look in the copper snake and they were healed. So the copper snake turned into something people would look at to remind them of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But eventually the copper snake turned into an idol. So when Chizkiah saw that, he destroyed it. And then eventually he does another very harsh thing. His father, as I mentioned, was a Russia. So instead of, um, instead of giving him a proper covet at his, at his funeral and carrying him out a coffin of gold and silver, he dragged him out on a bed of, ra- of, of ropes, like just to show him that like, this person was a Russia. And, and I heard him say the point was he was trying to give him at least one last chance to get into Olam Abba by, by being Mavaza him and his Leviah, he would be able to get more Schosim in Olam Abba. Those were three good things that Chizkiah did. I'll show Shlodol, three things that were not good. This is when Samcher was coming to fight, the besieged around Yerushalayim. In the times of Chizkiah, right after the ten tribes were exiled, Sancheir goes for the base of Mikdash. This is a hundred years or so before the real destruction of the first temple. He was stopped. The siege did not work. And one of the things that Chizkiah did, though, is that he stopped the water supply. So that was wrong. It was too much Hishtadis. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was guaranteed that they were going to be okay, so they shouldn't have stopped up the water supply. After the same thing with Sancheir, he owed him a lot of money to leave. So eventually they ran out of money. So he, he takes out the, the, he cuts off the doors of the Hegel. Evidently they were very valuable. And he sent them to the king Ashras. That was also a mistake. He should have trusted more in Hashem. He shouldn't have, you know, been Mechal of the Beis HaMikdash by cutting off the doors of the Hegel to send them to the Goyesh king to pay him back. And over Nisa bin Nisan, he once made a leap year already once it was Nisan. He added an extra Adar once it was already Nisan. That's illegal. You can't do that. Below Odulo. So the Gemara doesn't like that one because that's a blatant halacha. Doesn't Chizkiah know that the din is Nisan's got to be the first month. You can never have a Nisan that's a second month. So that's a very fancy way of saying you can't have a leap month of Nisan. Once Nisan starts, you can't add another month. He doesn't know that. The mistake was about Shmuel. The 30th day of Adar. Could that be theoretically that could still be Adar. So maybe on the 30th day of Adar, you can declare a second Adar. So the Gemara says, though, that really you're still not allowed to do that. Because since the 30th day of Adar could be the first of Nisan, remember, the Jewish calendar is either 30 days in a month or 29 days in the month. So once day 30 of Adar comes, even if it still hasn't been declared Rosh Chodesh, since it's a day which could theoretically be the first day of Nisan, you're not allowed to declare an extra Adar. Okay? That's a novel point. Chizkiyo was not aware of that Allah. He held, we don't say such a Svara, that since it could 
would be Nisa and you can't make a you can't make an Adar. The bottom line is today is the thirtieth of Adar. So Chizkiya declared it an extra leap month on that thirtieth day of Adar, and that's what Chazal were saying. They were critical. They didn't agree. Says the Gemara. If you daven in the schus of somebody else, then what? Then you get answered from Hashem, but only in the merit of other people. If you daven in the merit of other people, then Hashem answers you in your own schus. So it's an ironic twist, and we show precedent for both. Moshe Moshe Davin to be answered in the merit of other people. He Davin in the schus of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. Tolu b'schus Asma Hashem answered it as if it was Moshe's reward. It says, I would have destroyed the Jewish people if not for the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu stood up and removed my anger. So Moshe Davin not in his schus, but Hashem attributes it all to Moshe. He davens in his own schus, right? He's just talking about all of his own merits. Remember how I walked in front of you. How did Hashem answer him? Hashem answered him in the schus of other people. Meaning, yes, Hashem answered him. But he said that the reward was because of what other people had done. I'm going to save the city. For the sake of David, my slave. So what do we see the sake of Davin, my slave? It means that the idea is that Chizkiah Davin for himself. Hashem says, I'm going to answer you, but not because of you, because of your, 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 your grandfather, Davin. So we see a very powerful concept that it's better to invoke the merit of other people than the merit of yourself. That's what seems to be the takeaway in the Gemara. So even though Chizkiah was answered, there was something bittersweet about the ending. It's an unbelievable lesson. Always keep on Davin no matter what somebody tells you. But... It's bittersweet, because even though Chizkiah was answered, he wasn't answered in his own schluss. At the end of the day, he was answered for David. It is for peace. But sometimes peace is bitter. So what's the meaning that peace is bitter? Why would peace be bitter? So the idea is, it's a reference here to Chizkiah. Even when HaKadosh Baruch was sent in peace, and he answered him, and he let him live, it was bitter. It was bittersweet because his schus, his tefillah wasn't answered in his own right. It was only because of David Hamel. So one of the things now that we mentioned, so that's the end of the story with Chizkiah. Now one of the things that we mentioned is that he invoked the power of the wall and he made reference to the story of the Shunamis woman who made one wall for Elisha and in that merit, her son was revived at Tchias HaMesim. So the Gemara now talks about that story with the Shunamis woman a little bit more. So it says in the Pasuk, Let's make an Aliyah. Aliyah, I guess, means an upper chamber or an Attic, kir katana, small walls. What did, what, what did she do? So Rabbi Shmuel said this beautiful. It was like an open uh, rooftop. And what did she do? She closed it. She roofed it. Um, she roofed it. She had a big open room. She put a wall in and she made it two into two rooms. She divided into two so that Chizkiah would have a bedroom. So the Mara asked, That's the meaning of the wall. The wall is that she's putting a divider in the room. If it's the, the, the first interpretation that she roofs the, 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 top, the top area, what does it have to do with a wall? So the Mara says, It's just a different word. It doesn't mean wall. Shekiruah can mean that she covered. Okay, so two different different inter- interpretations. Kikra, the word Kikra is the ceiling. Bishlam Lamadama Aliyah, Anisiv Aliyah, says the Gemara, 
If you say Aliyah, that's why it says Aliyah. It says Aliyah, and then it says Kir. So if you say that it means she made a roof, it's good. That's why it says Aliyah. The top place. If it was Aksaj, it was just a one, one level where she put a wall in the middle. So what are you talking about Aliyah? So the Gemara says, Aliyah means we're the best. It was the best of a house. She gave him a really, really good situation. And then what else did you say? Venasim Losham, we place for him there. Mita, a bed, shulchan, a table, vikise, and a chair, a menorah, and a lamp. So she really set him up very nicely. So the Gemara says on Rabbi Vitamir Bietzchok, a very another interesting Ashkafa. Now we're talking about people who have Torah, people who are leaders, people who are tzaddikim. If they want to benefit from it, they're allowed to, like Elisha. Elisha clearly was getting all these favors from the woman because of his great stature. So if you want to do that, you see it's okay. If you want to accept gifts from people out of being great, that's okay, the Gemara says. You see, Elisha was willing to do that. But a different way of going through it is saying, no, dafka the opposite. I want to be completely self-sufficient. I don't want to take favors from anybody. That's also an acceptable practice. Because there was his home. What does that mean? He doesn't really live there. It means wherever he would go, his house was always with him. What does it mean his house was with him? Wherever he traveled, he brought all of his needs so that he would never have to take anything from anybody else. That's two different mahalchim from two different Sadiqim. Elisha goes with the people, accepts the invitations, and whereas Shmuel says, no, I don't, I don't want anything to be used for my Torah, and he takes all he has what he has. Now, the Shunamis woman says, uh, regarding Elisha, Elisha, she says to her husband, after having him in her house, she says, I know that this man of God is extremely holy. So how did she know him? A woman always knows her guests better than her men. That's in general. Kadoshu, that he is holy. Mina Yada, what was the reason that she knew she he was holy? No fly ever came over the table he was eating. The Mashal explains that a shulchan is doma la mizbeach. And one of the miracles was in the mizbeach in, in the base of Mikdash, there were no flies, even though it was all the meat and you know, meat burning and all that. There were never flies. So that miracle was present with Elisha. She was constantly spreading out sheets for his bed. And even though he was always traveling, which elsewhere the Gemara says induces seminal emissions, but she never saw on his on his on his linen any 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 zera. So kadosh who he is holy. So the Gemara says, "Marbiz Rachnina kadosh who kadosh he's holy." Misharso, but his attendant ain't no kadosh. The shamish of Elisha Gechazi is not a good person. Shnemar by Gech Gechazi lahadafa. He goes lahadfa. So what does lahadfa mean? So simply would be to push her to push her away. We interpret it differently, that he holds on to her beauty, that he grabs her breasts, and he wanted to, uh, to get closer. So this was wrong. So the Gemara, the, the Gemara doesn't elaborate on this story, but the Gemara elaborates it in other places. But here the Gemara just says one inference in the Pasuk, he is holy, but Gechazi is not. So we see that even though the, the Tzalik was there, the Shamish was not necessarily so great. The next Pasuk continues about the dialogue of the Shunamis women, over Olenu Tamid. He is always over by us. So the Gemara says, Anyone who is hospitable and they house a Talmud Chacham in their house, and they give the Talmud Chacham pleasure from their own property. Someone who is Mahani Tamid Chachamim. You hear about this quality a lot. What is the value of being Mahani Tamid Chachamim? It's as if they brought Karbonus. So this is an amazing, amazing thing. We're interpreting this in the Pasuk here. 
over Alenu Tamid. Tamid is a reference to the carbon Tamid. So she says, it's like I'm always bringing the carbon Tamid. As long as I have this guy, I'm giving him things, then that's my ticket here. It's like I'm bringing a carbon Tamid all the time, and it's a way to stay connected. It's a way to stay connected, even though you don't have it as much. But if you keep on giving to Tamid Chachamim, it's over Alenu Tamid. It's as if you're always bringing a carbon Tamid. Now the Gemara continues the tangent. A person shouldn't stand in a high place in Davin. from a low place. We say I call out from the depths. So a person is Davin in a low place. And they explain. First of all, this means sometimes literally, but it also means figuratively. A prayer has to come from humility. So even if sometimes like the sense, like the way the Gemara says in Shabbos, you daven with your, you know, your hands together, you daven in a humble stance, that's what it means, a low place. You shouldn't stand on a chair, not on any ledge, not on a place for his follow and pray, a low place and die. There's no place for haughtiness in front of God. God wants us um, and, and our humility. Another reference, tefillah la'ani, a prayer for the poor man, Kiyatov. So we see that everything is tefillah la'ani, to feel poor when you pray, that is the suggestion. Says the Gemara, when someone davens, they should align, put their feet together, and to pretend as if they only have one foot. When the angel describes having one foot, so when we daven, we daven like angels. So, the idea of the Gemara, and, and, and Marshal explains, is that there's a duality. You pray on the one hand, like I said, like the, you know, your, your hands are together and you're like beseeching like a poor man. And the, even though you do that, well, at the same time, simultaneously, you're pretending you're an angel. And that's the depth. The depth is that a person is both. A person who's able to be an onion and an angel in the same exact simultaneous stance. Says the Gemara, We have an ad pasuk in the Torah. It says, don't eat on the blood. What does it mean, don't eat on the blood? Don't eat before you pray. So everyone has blood. You pray for your life. You pray for your life means you go daven shachas. You shouldn't eat before you daven. Don't eat on your blood, meaning go daven before you eat. Anyone who eats and drinks and then goes to daven. Regarding them, the Pasuk says, I've thrown you away, cast you away. So what's Gavacha? Your arrogance. After this person became arrogant, now he comes to me to be And this is a powerful concept by Yishman, Yishur, and Vayivat. That the idea is that when we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we're hungry, we have an easier chance of connecting. Arrogance emerges. We feel we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu less after eating. Always better to eat before, after a person has already died. Says the Gemara, we passing that Kriya Shema goes until three hours of the day. That's the halacha. You have until three hours of the day. But it said, if you read from then and on, after three hours of the day, you don't lose. So, it's at least you're like you're reading the Torah. So now the Gemara says, Do you daven berchos kriyashma? This is the million dollar question. Zman tefillah is until four hours. Zman kriyashma is up after three hours. When you're davening between the third and fourth hour, do you say berchos kriyashma? Or, no, too late. You lost it. If you're not being Yotze Shema, you can't say Birchos Kriyashma. That's the question. So the Gemara says, You can't say Birchos Kriyashma. It's too late. You could say Shema and learn a little bit and then Davin because it's still Zman Tefillah. But you can't say, if you're not being Yotze Shema, you don't say Birchos Kriyashma. You're not losing like it's still reading Torah. It says black and white in the price that you still make the brachas before and the bracha after. We reject him. Really, the halacha is. Even after Zman Kriyashma, you daven, 
Until the fourth hour for sure, you daven and you say the Birchos Krishma. What's the Pshat? How do you say Birchos Krishma if you're not being Yotze Krishma? If I'm, it's not Sukkot, can I say Baruch Atashon Chalamash Kishonim Tzvon Altiyos Lulav and Sheikh Lulav? No. So the Magen Avraham and others bring out from here that you see the Birchos Krishma, even not a regular Birchos Amitzvos. That's not what they are. They're also a form of Tefillah. It's not a regular Sheikh Kishonim Bimsos of Itzivano. So even though they're structured around Shema and you're not being Yotze Shema, you can still say Birchos Krishma. That's the most, the more popular understanding of the Gemara. Ika da Amri. The second version, Rav Chista got it right. When the Mishnah said that if you read it after three hours, you don't lose, obviously you're not Yotzei Shema, but what it means is you don't lose means you don't lose the brachos. You should still say the brachos after the third hour. And in this version we say, yes, the Brisa says like that. That's accurate. Because it says, when you read Shema after the third hour, you don't lose, like you're still a person learning Torah. Even though it's just like learning Torah, you're not being Yotzei Shema, but you still recite the brachos before and after. Says the Gemara, You know what you can take away from here? Normally we say that Talmud Torah is the biggest thing, right? Talmud Torah can get Kula. But if reading Shema in the right time is bigger than learning Torah, why? It says if I read Shema after the right time when I'm not Yotze, it's low if it, it's as if I'm learning Torah. That when I read it in the right time, it's better than someone who learns Torah. And the, what's the reason? Because Shema is both. Shema is learning. The Gemara always says the minimum learning that a Jew can do is simply recite Shema in the morning and night. And also, he's also So you get both things. So Kori Kriya Shema Bonasa is Yoyser Milimen Torah, which is uh, obviously an extremely powerful point. Zok the Mishnah. To be yotzi the nighttime shema, you have to be lying down. To be yotzi the morning shema, you have to be standing up. When you lie down and when you get up, so you, there's positioning. There's a the way that the body is positioned is ma'akiv in the mitzvah. You read it however you'd like. What's the next words in the pasuk? And the way that you walk when you walk. The concept is, however you're going, you're walking. So obviously you can't, you're not lying down if you're walking. So what I says, that just means, it means when society is going to sleep and when society is waking up. But the, the position, the stance of the body, when you say Shema, you can do it every way that you would like. That, that's a very integral dispute between Bishami and Basil. I was once on the road. I was on the road and I lied down on the side of the road to read the Shema. Like Beishamai. Listen, the truth is, it was Mamash Sakhanus Nafash. So he's like praising himself. He's saying, like, Wow, look how much I was Meiser Nefesh to fulfill the opinion of Beishamai. So, and again, think about it. If you, if you hold like Basil, if you lie down, you're not Yetze, you're Yetze. Right? So, and, and he would copy Shammai's opinion, a dafka lying down is even better. So, Reptarephon's like saying, like, look what I did, how beautiful what I did. I put myself in danger and I still was Meister Nefesh to reach my, on the road lying down. Amrlo, they say, Kedai Hayisa, Lachov Ba'atzmacha Sha'avarta Al Divrei Basil. You actually are deserving of death. And it's wrong. Of all the different results. So if Cook explains here, there's something much deeper going on than just the simple level of it's good to do, it's not good to do. Because you see that Basil is so critical. He's saying you deserve to die for not listening to Basil. And the idea was that Basil is trying to bring out that the Kriyishma is above a, a position. 
A position is representative in life of a specific place where a person is in a specific context. And being lying down is very rigid. Mishamai was saying that the, the idea of being Makabal Mokhashamayim comes from the rigidity. It comes from stopping life. It comes from lying down. And even if you're on the side of the road and you have to run, but you have to lie down to feel God. If you're still in the way of walking on the road, you can't feel like Chalash Baruch Hu. Basilo is so adamant that that's wrong. means that is in any time, in any place, in any context. So if you would lie down because you think God is there, when you lie down, you're missing the boat completely. It's not a hitter at all, and actually you deserve to die, he's saying, because you're a complete hashkafa is so, is so off.